0: Okay, good evening. Welcome. Just a second. Okay, good evening. Broadcasting live from Stony Creek, Ontario, August 5th. Today's rather long quote is actually a story that the Buddha told. Funny thing about this story is um, it's not clear where it came from. It seems to have been passed down uh, and used in in used by many teachers from different religions or you know from different parts of india so different teachers have this has popped up in different places so it may not have been the buddha who originally said it but it's an apt allegory i think is what you call it it's like aesop, an aesop's fable of the blind men and the elephant in fact maybe it is found in aesop as well i'm not sure but but you can look it up on Wikipedia. There's interesting background about it. Anyway, as it relates to Buddhism, quite apt, we liken this, liken the situation that we find in the religious world to the idea of a blind man and the elephant. blind Blindness and the elephant. The interesting thing, there's two 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 interesting points in this story. The first is the blindness. How blindness um, leads to you know, thinking something is other than what it is. Blindness is what, uh, of course, uh, it creates confusion. But um, the other part of the story is the idea of them getting angry at each other. And so that's not, physical blindness doesn't necessarily make people angry individuals, doesn't make people fight. But why this allegory is actually quite more apt is because um, blindness in Buddhism, the blindness of defilements, the blindness of ignorance, blindness of true uh, wrong view and and avidya is actually what leads to getting angry. So just as these men get frustrated because they all have a different idea of things, it, it, it's very much um, or it's an interesting um, point that our blindness leads, leads us to, to desire and to aversion, it leads us to fight with each other simply because we're blind. Yes, we don't think you don't see things. If you if you think about it, um, all of our is one way of explaining the, uh, this concept in Buddhism or the idea of the importance of, of wisdom in Buddhism is if we all saw if they all saw the elephant clearly, there would be no no reason to fight. Likewise, uh, if all of us understood things exactly as they were, there would be no or we would lose this reason to fight. We all, our anger would disappear. It's, it's a way of understanding the dependence of, on uh, of anger on ignorance. Because when you understand things when you see things clearly you have no reason to 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 fight with anyone. All of our um potential quar- quarrels, potential conflict disappears. Or if someone says, you're a buffalo, uh, you know you're not a buffalo. And furthermore, you know why they're saying that you're a buffalo. If, if they, if someone tries to um, manipulate you or to provoke uh, an angry response in you, you know right away that this person is provoking an angry response. More importantly, you know the uh, danger of getting angry back—you know what it's going to lead to. You see, uh, the more knowledge and understanding that we have—not exact, not necessarily knowledge, but true knowledge, like really knowing something—which comes from it, from true from empirical understanding, empirical observation—the uh, less reason you have to get angry. The less reason you have to desire things. So as you see, uh, desiring desire is actually making me more frustrated, making me more angry. And so on, but this is something you find not just in. Uh, I mean, it's, it's 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 applicable to all um, on all levels. This is something you find in lay life, right? We why we fight is because we have uh, all we're all blind. You see? Why why we fight with our families? Why we fight with our friends? why we have enemies in the first place is completely due to blindness. And and just by seeing things clearly, this is the point here, just by seeing things clearly, could we do away with this, uh, the, the quarrels, the, the arguments that we have. But it's more prevalent in what he's talking about here. Um, but wanderers of other sex when religious circles it's even more prevalent, right? People will kill each other because they believe in a different imaginary being. You know, I believe in this imagine, or this God. I mean, by imaginary, I really do mean that because you may argue that it exists, but even your argument that God exists is based on your imagination. Even if he does, even if he is here, it does exist because you don't have anything beyond your own imagination to go by this is why a lot of people give up thinking a lot of uh, theists and deists give up trying to to understand god because they say well you know whatever i think it's it's completely based on my own imagination i can't look around and say oh God's there there's there's a you know there's a um, something that tells me what god is like so it's an, imaginary and based on our, our idea of what this being is, or this, this entity is, uh, we fight and we argue. So uh, totally based on on our, uh, our lack of knowledge, our lack of understanding. Uh, you'll see people fighting over God. You'll see people fighting over beliefs and views. You'll see, even see non-religious people fighting over their beliefs and views fighting over we fight over ideas about um, you know, we were fighting over whether slavery was okay whether women should have the right to vote we're fighting over sexuality we're fighting over abortions and we it it's, it's very difficult for us to to agree it's very difficult for us to even ourselves know what is right and so the best we get often is well I believe uh, which is dangerous you know often our belief is, is based somewhat on uh, wisdom, understanding, and, and and logic, but often it's m- emotional or arbitrary. You know, I believe can come to be a reason to believe. You know, it, it just came to me, and well, you know, whatever. That's what I believe, without actually thinking. Well, it might be wrong, and maybe I should change what I believe. But the way we've always done it. It's what we've always believed, etc not a good way to do things blindness is very dangerous you hurt yourself you hurt other people and you misunderstand you misconceive things conceive what is you also conceive uh, what is not there in the case of god for example or in many different ways when you're blind you might hear a sound and think it's a, a lion or something Have you ever stepped on a rope uh, and jumped because you thought it was a snake? You know what I think. You know what I mean. You know what is meant here. But you even find this within Buddhism. You'll find we have a hard time agreeing with each other, and uh, this is one reason why we like to go by the texts and like to have an orthodoxy is dangerous because orthodoxy can uh, can be wrong and can lead everyone in the wrong direction. but there's often this sense people have have some sometimes have this sense that orthodoxy in and of itself is wrong, and they don't like the idea of having one view, and that's much more dangerous because this is the difference between the truth and and imagination. The truth is singular. there's only one reality there's only one truth but it's uh, but but illusion is manifold so either we um, well either we all agree on the same lie all believe the same lie or we all believe the truth once you believe the truth it's much easier than getting everyone to believe the same lie um, maybe not actually You <laughs> can you can get a lot of people to believe the same lie, but no, not really, because eventually people have different ideas, and there's, that's where arguments break out. But if you focus, what I mean to say is, if you focus on the truth, it's easier in the sense that there's only one truth. So once everyone's, if you get people looking at the truth, you don't have to worry about which truth. This is why meditation is so adaptable. You just say, "Look," you know, you don't have to say, "Become Buddhist," wear this these funny clothes or this funny hat, or so on. There's no specifics to it. It's very general and it works for everyone, because truth because truth is singular. You don't have to believe. This is a key sign of the of what is true, and that uh, it is not it's not specific to any group. It's um, and it's approachable by anyone. The truth is what you is you can find by yourself. Anyway. So some thoughts on this. I don't have much more to say. Anyone have any questions? Right. So our practice is getting to the truth. And uh, I was thinking about something, the idea of um, the, the, the difference with this simile in reality is that these guys are stuck being blind. They're going to be blind for their li- their whole lives. We're not that way. But you think how impossible it is for a blind person to come to see. Uh, It's easier to become spiritually, um, whatever the opposite of blind is, seeing. But at least it's possible. It's possible for someone who's blind to come to see. I once was blind and now I see this is... Uh, this is how religious people describe it. They come to experience something that they hadn't experienced before. But it's a very apt apt comparison. Um, practically speaking, you experience this. You start to do meditation and you just uh, realize. You don't go anywhere or become anything. You just realize how amazing it is that a person, you no, know, I'm the same person as I was before, but the difference between me when I was blind and me when I can see, it's just like having your eyes closed versus having your eyes It's a oh, total difference. You know, the, the, how important sight is, it's, it's, it's even more profound, the difference between a non-meditator and a meditator or someone who doesn't understand them, the, the, themselves, doesn't understand the workings of the mind. And one who has come to understand the workings of the mind. Okay, some questions. In what way does not eating past noon aid one in their practice and in their meditation specifically? Well, there's nothing about afternoon. A lot of the the rules are just um, convention, you know, it's like a framework. It's like, why does a car have to be? This shape. Why can't it be a truck? Um, But the not eating, the only eating once is much more important because it's um, it's the bare minimum. It's the renunciation of any kind of attachment to the body. So the idea is, you need just this much food per day. And you do need to eat, so eating once a day uh, is enough. And any more than that, because eating more than that or eating in a more complicated fashion would most likely give rise to further attachment, craving, desire, etc. This is a preferable way. Eating once a day is quite effective in curing you of a lot of attachment to the body. And they say it. Um, I mean, if you've ever been on a meditation retreat, where they have milk in the evening or where you eat in the evening, it's very difficult to meditate when you when you like, when you're if you start to feel drowsy and so on. Do access and absorption, concentration, as they are understood in terms of the jhanas, develop during the practice of vipassana? They can. Um, not during the practice of vipassana but during the time when you think that you're practicing vipassana you could actually be practicing samatha and they could also arise based on past practice of samatha either in this life or in a past life they can arise not spontaneously but but easily you you can slip into them easily depending on your past practices Walking meditation briskly to help with sleepiness, sloth, torpor. Hmm. Yeah, it works. I did it once. Um, I've got a story for this one. When I was in Chomtong, Thailand, uh, there was a big monk, this big, fairly fat, but but also just big monk who uh was a forest monk he would walk barefoot wore these thick robes that i'm wearing right now but in thailand you know and uh had like he had a vest full of buddhas so he, he had like a hundred pockets and each one had a buddha in it and at his waist he had his mother's ashes in the i mean this was this guy was hardcore still still one of my favorite people um <laughs> uh like a character like just one of those people who's out of a book who you think you know he's not just any old monk that's him and he's an he's iconic and uh, then there was this other monk oh i've got stories to tell this other monk who was actually a new monk uh, whose parents were part of the thai mafia and he this is a totally unrelated story but he at one point was showing me pictures of his co- of how he when he disrobed because it was just a temporary ordination. He was going to start growing uh, op- opium, I think, or cocaine. I can't remember. One or the other. And he had pictures, and he was pointing me out who was who. Like this guy was a one there. This guy was the gun for the gun, or you know the the, the guy who kills people, and this guy is the the, the whatever the head of the family. And so, on. anyway. So the three of us—it's <laughs> like a joke, you know. Uh, he told the, the other monk, "Told me, hey, this Ajahn Yud was—he uh, every night he goes walking up in the monastery—and I went with him last night—and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Well, I'll come and see—and uh, so that night I went up with him. And we, up in the front of the monastery, they put sand out. The lay people, when they come to the monastery, it's a tradition to put sand out. Um, the the theory is, and it's an ancient tradition, an old tradition, um, that when you walk to the monastery, you when you when you when, sorry when you leave the monastery, you you carry mud out. And so, with all these people coming and going, the the, the the monastery actually loses something. I mean, the as I've heard it, the, the idea is uh, you're you're stealing from the monastery. But I think it could possibly just be with lots of people coming in, it gets run down. It gets the the, the, the area in the in the olden days, the area in the monastery would get would uh, have this problem. So at the front of the monastery, they haven't they have uh, the, the sandy area or a dirt area, and lay people every year. We'll bring sand or sometimes i think maybe every every special day so there's this in the old in that time there was a big area now they've closed it in a bit but there's a big area of sand probably 50 meters something i don't know distance wise yeah maybe 50 meters and so this is what we did we walked Quickly, fifty meters there and back, there and back, and we did this from like nine, nine to three or nine to two, maybe. I think we took a break, but then nine p.m. or ten p.m. till two. It was at least. It was probably three, or three or four hours. I can't. Remember. I think about three or four hours, and it felt great. It was awesome. I felt energetic. Didn't need to sleep. I did end up going to sleep. I think around two. And uh, I was excited about it. I thought, well, this is great. And I went to see Tong, And I, I told him about it. I said, yeah, we, we're, at night we're going walking. And he looked at me. And he said, actually, I think he laughed about it. But he said, that's, that's um, the Farang way, the Westerner way. Ex- he used the word exercise. He said, exercise and he used the English word and then he got he got rather serious and he said the, the walking meditation in Buddhism the Buddha's way of walking meditation you have to go slowly you have to go very slowly you can't walk like that the point is to understand the point is actually not walking it's to to experience this clearly and then this clearly and then this clearly this is what it's about one thing one movement so our our practice of walking meditation isn't about walking at all you i've done it with people with kids in a room too many kids in the room i didn't want them to have to walk around and i just had them lift their feet and put them down same thing it's nothing to do with walking we're not walking we're experiencing motion clearly and so if you don't do it slowly there's nothing like meditation obviously actually what we were doing was even worse we were ch- we were chatting we were talking all night so absolutely not meditation but you know it's easy to get these ideas so could walking briskly be helpful sure it's probably helpful for the body to some extent but it's not conducive to meditation not in the way that we're looking at meditation So, we've got stack exchange questions. Well, you've got a bunch of answers already. I've been dealing with negative mind states in my practice. When it gets overwhelming, I lose my sense of mindfulness and get lost in the middle of all the noise and I guess I identify with it. Otherwise, I wouldn't feel pain when it happens. You mean physical pain or mental pain? Is it a good idea to bring myself back to the breath? Or should I face this? I usually try to accept the experiences, experience in the moment, but it usually brings more pain because I can't see clearly what I'm going through. Hmm. yeah it can be a good idea to bring yourself back these kind of questions there's no there's no one answer. Meditation is a lot like boxing or kung fu or or something. It's a lot about improvising and not one answer not one answer is going to solve the problem the, not one answer is going to going to work all the time you so so get that get get that idea clear don't pick one solution go back to the breath watch the stomach rising and falling and then attack it again you know upset upset overwhelmed overwhelmed just remind yourself and then it just becomes too much and then you can try something else like one one way of of doing the kung fu thing is lie down instead you you feel stressed so lie down do, do a lying meditation on your back, rising, falling. You might fall asleep, and when you wake up, you're able to do you're, you have a clear mind and you're able to do meditation, or you might have a good meditation lying down. You might be have just the perfect balance, or get up and walk. Changing postures is important. Um, sometimes there's little things you can do, like changing your diet, um, eating different, eating the right food um drinking lots of water I mean these are little tricks I'd only bring them up because just to point out that there's it's like guerrilla warfare kind of or like we're in a war there's no there's no blueprint for how it's going to go it's chaotic in the end you're going to be it's like it's like being in a war you know you're fighting for your life many people are in this state of such trauma and such uh, immense mental pain that it's like being in war, being at war and if you think of it as being at a war you, it's a lot easier it's a lot more dealable you become a soldier you, you start fighting but you don't just run into battle or expect to be able to blow everything up with a nuclear bomb you, you've got to be clever or you're going to get overwhelmed so take the techniques that you've learned try to apply them but don't expect it to be formulaic it's going to be chaotic, and you're going to have to improvise. You know, he said we have to do this many minutes walking and sitting. I can't do some walking, well, then Just do sitting. I can't do sitting. We had one monk. I don't know if I mentioned this. I said, he he, he came to our teacher and he said uh, he was the worst trouble ever. He ended up setting himself on fire and and disrobing in the end. He went he went totally crazy. I took I spent. No, I took him to help take him to the mental hospital. We we got quite we had quite a good relationship, or familiar relationship with the mental hospital in Chiang Mai. Um, not when I was a teacher. I, I I never had a problem with my students. I have never had a student go crazy, but I've seen some craziness. Um. Anyway, he he was uh, he came to the teacher our teacher once. And he said, Ajahn, I can't sit. He sits and he starts to stiffen up or something like that. And Ajahn said, Well, then do walking. He said, I can't walk. And I do walking, there's some other reason why I couldn't do it. Well then, well, then lie down. Well, no, when I lie down, I suddenly find myself going like this. And Ajahn said, Well, then stand. <laughs> and, and, and he got him he said oh yeah i can stand so changing the posture is useful aversion and fear about being mindful well this, this is the this is the the cleverness you need to be clever in your meditation it's not uh, a brick that you're going to break with a hammer a hammer doesn't work so when you have you have to be clever and ask yourself what's the the essence of this in this case you have aversion and fear focus on the aversion and fear forget about the pain and whatever now you're, you're afraid and you're you have aversion or something focus on that maybe you feel guilty because you're not mindful focus on the guilt that feeling focus on what's ever there right then that's the one formula that you can follow the problem is that it's it's tricky because it changes, and the nature of the experience changes. So, getting yourself in a position where you can be mindful of it—that's the key. And you have to keep yourself. You have to keep pulling yourself back to this this present moment. And your mind's going to keep slipping away, and you have to just keep bringing it back. But there's no place of mindfulness. There's no plane. Sorry, plane of mindfulness. No state of plane. Plane. I think you spelled plane wrong but uh, you can't have a state of pure mindfulness mindfulness is now it's momentary once you've been mindful that's gone you only have the next moment whether you can be mindful in that moment or not. mindfulness is a moment by moment The goal of meditation is to see reality of nature is uncontrollable, impermanent, and unsatisfactory. The goal of meditation is nibbana, is freedom. Seeing impermanence, suffering, and non-self is the path, or it's what leads, yeah, it's the path. Hmm. How about walking meditation and going for alms then? Yeah, it's not meditation, but walking meditation alms alms around should be meditative, but then it's just walking, walking, walking. It's not as powerful, not as effective. I mean, can you become enlightened running? Yes, sure, you can. Is it is it easy? No. It's very difficult to do to get become enlightened as a jogger. I mean, I suppose if you were jogging and you kept it up, eventually you could get into a point where you, where it was kind of meditative but still it's nothing, nothing like what we're doing this one movement because that's very easy to be aware of the, ar- the arising and ceasing of that movement experience can the mind be located at two places in the body at the same time The mind has no location. mind doesn't take up space. The mind is mental. It's not physical. Space and position is a derived quality of matter. The mind is not material, so it doesn't take up space. The body doesn't exist. Space only exists as a derived quality of matter doesn't really it's not 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 truly real all that's real is experience oh this is great it's nice having so many people come and having a platform where we can do it so we have youtube people can watch we have 32 viewers and then we have our own site with a little chat box now what i'm just looking at now is how to restart Siri mongolo. Does anyone remember my.siri mongolo? It's been a while. I don't want to call it my.siri mongolo, it's a bit crass, isn't it? My. anybody got a better one? How about sangha.siri mongolo? The idea is to make um, the the most easy way to explain it is make a Facebook clone. But that's not exactly it. Um, But it has the format like Facebook, and so that's why it's easy to explain it like that. Uh, that It would be a feed where people could post links and pictures and... um, you can post updates. You could form groups. Have I don't know events, maybe I don't know. But we could, uh, yeah, it, it did well. No, it was it was useful, but was, there was there wasn't as much of a group then. The reason I thought about bringing it back is because now we've got seems a little bit more of a group, and this chat is is a little bit too ephemeral and simple right it's nice that it, it's nice in its simplicity but limited Is it possible that we are reborn outside of earth and somewhere else in the universe? I don't know. Embed the YouTube live feed onto meditation. It's a little bit more complicated because the link changes each time. So I have to manually input the link each day. I'd have to find somewhere where I could some way to input the link it's not a static link every day so because each youtube video has its own link to it it'd be nice if there was a static link but there isn't yeah i don't think i'd import the meditation group into that platform not at first anyway Uh, I can see the benefit of that but it is kind of they're two two different beasts anyway I want to just get it up first and see how it goes so I'm thinking about sangha.sirimangalo.org I know the word sangha is complicated because it's hard to spell but it's the best word I can think of sangha that's what it would be what do you all think I think there's a delay I think by the time you hear what I said it's been a few seconds already I've gone on to talking about something else and Robin tells me that the YouTube video is not as best as it could be it's unfortunate the um, we should we should investigate that see whether it's everyday or not the recording once it's recorded it, it apparently and yeah, the recording is not very well done something yeah so i'll just do that i will set it up as sangha.sirimangalo.org I can figure it out. It's already set up, actually. If you go to sangha.sirimangalo.org, you'll see a blank page. And you know why you'll see a blank page? It's because that blank page is our our Facebook clone. But there's an error, and I don't know what that error is yet. So the next step is to figure out why our Facebook clone is not loading. Oh, YouTube does have a thirty-second delay. Whoa, that's pretty big. So if you want to, if you want real time, if you want to do this real time, better not to watch YouTube. Better to listen. Much lo- more lossless. That's surprising. I'm surprised that YouTube has such a buffer. Although I guess it kind of makes sense. No, it doesn't, because if we were having a, I don't know. Anyway. Ten minutes disappeared. Was that from yesterday? We did indeed. Okay, I'm going to end the YouTube video anyway. That's the broadcast for tonight, and uh, I think we'll get on. I'm going to get on to figure out this. So next time, tomorrow, hopefully, I'll have an update um, saying we've got a new sangha, a new online sangha along with our meditation page there'll be somehow a connection with them hopefully okay so thanks for tuning in peace